Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to episode number 80 of the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We are so excited. This is Ryan Cabrera. I am your co-host, and I'm here in Studio A today with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the great podcast. Peace be to you. That's right. (laughs) All right, so we are studying the Torah portion today, Uh, but before we jump into that, I got a little shout out. Uh, Rosie, all the way out of, uh, I think it's Spring, Texas, which is just outside of Houston, uh, wrote me an email this week talking about all the, the troubles of her going uphill both ways in the snow to to get the the tour questionnaire printed out and all that and so uh, just you know we're going to work on something to where you don't have to use the CD-ROM going forward uh, but just just stay tuned for that um, but uh, for those of you that don't know about the tour questionnaire the tour questionnaire may be an inside thing maybe I don't mention it enough here on the podcast but uh, on a weekly basis with the tour portion, we actually have a little study guide, a little questionnaire that you can use to just kind of go through and get the main points and then even a little bit of detail. And if you want a copy of that, we have it in CD form right now. We're going to be uh, putting it into a digital PDF form here pretty soon. Uh, but you can call the office at 813-654-2222, speak to, to Kathy or Vanessa uh, or any or anyone you know there in the office, they can uh, take the order and get it shipped out to you guys so that you have a copy of it. And like I said, we're going to get it up on the website here in the coming weeks so that you guys can access it there as well. But Rosie, thank you so much for your email. I greatly appreciate the encouragement. Pastor Nick and I both do. Uh, and just so you guys know, Rosie is Larissa's aunt from Texas. So Larissa, shout out to you for recruiting people to listen to the podcast. This is how it happens. Apparently, we're not doing like a lot of advertising. Oh, and no. so it's, it's person to person. It's either people are really interested... Word of in, mouth, literally. Yep. And they're searching for Hebrew roots in you know SoundCloud or on the internet, and they're coming across our, our podcast, or somebody is telling them about it. So um, for you guys that uh, you know have friends and family that don't really understand what you've got going on, and if you think that they may benefit from just hearing the Torah in a way that is just simple, you know, uh, laying it out there for them, I would encourage you guys to tell somebody, listen to this podcast, share it with them, send them a link, post it on your Facebook, something like that, because it really does uh, help people kind of just understand what what you're talking about without you having to be the one to say it, because I think sometimes we feel like we got to say too much. Amen? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So we are studying the Torah portion Teruma, which just so happens to mean portion. And uh, this can be found in the book of Exodus chapter 25, verse 1, and ending in chapter 27 and verse 19. These are the gifts for the tent. So Ryan's going to read Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. This is the opening uh, scriptures for the Torah portion, Teruma, or portion in the book of Exodus. Once again, uh, chapters, um, you know, uh, 1 through, uh, I believe, 1 through 18 is, of course, about deliverance. Chapters 19 to 40 is about, of course, uh, worship. So here we are. We're in the worship part of the book of Exodus, broken up into two parts, deliverance and worship. And he's going to read verses 1 through 9 in Exodus 25, gifts for the tent. All right, here we go. 
It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram's skins dyed red and badger's skins and sheatim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate, and let them take me a sanctuary. I'm sorry, and let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof. Even so shall ye make it. Wow! So right out of the gate, here we have some very interesting things going on. Here, we have, of course, uh, the following things that were given. We have, of course, uh, gold, silver, brass. Blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, sheatim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for a sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Wow, these are the gifts for the tent. Very interesting that the very things that they took from Egypt, how they plundered Egypt and got all their possessions and all those things, are going to be used to build a beautiful uh, I say, uh, tabernacle. Yeah, so, absolutely. Because so, these guys you know, are—I mean—they're out in the wilderness right now. Um, at the time, there's of, no Home Depot. Uh, exactly there's right. No Lowe's. <laughs> there, no there's, Sears. No nothing. Right. There's not even like a, a corner store for them to pick this stuff up. So like the spices and the oil and and things like that, the gold, the silver, and the brass. Uh, the blue, the purple, and the scarlet, and the fine linen. These things uh, most likely came from Egypt, uh, or there was some other way for them to get them. Um, but one other thing, uh, you know, I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, the badger skin is used for the outer covering, basically, um, the outside of the tabernacle to cover it, uh, and prevent it, you know, from, from, you know, getting affected by the elements. And in the King James, it's the word badger skins. Um, but in Hebrew, it says takash. And so actually in the Chumash, instead of putting badger skins, they put takash. And I think it's because they don't really know what this word means because badgers, uh, are unclean animals, right? That's right. Yeah, I don't think you can eat a badger. And uh, as such, uh, the Levites would have had to touch these skins and you know fold them up, put them away, pick them up, carry them, put them back on, fasten them back onto the tabernacle because they would they would move 42 times through the wilderness um, to move this. And so with that being said, the Takash is something else. Now, other theories is porpoise skin, and then another theory is that there's this uh, in the Red Sea... The Takash, or there's this other animal that looks a lot like a manatee. Uh, it's a manatee-like animal that it could have been that animal out of the Red Sea. So I mean, it's it's a controversy. I mean, there's yes, we don't the badger know skins this... are going to cause a controversy. Yeah, that's the badgers. So you know, here's all these wonderful gifts for the tent, uh, and we just shared those with you. But you know, uh, in Exodus chapter 25, verse two, it says, "Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering." Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. Wow, Exodus 25, 2. A willing heart for an offering. You know, uh, and so as we begin to look at our lives, um, I got the revelation some years ago that, of course, my life is a living sacrifice. And so what we do unto the Lord uh, really, really is unto the Lord. And so we got to be thinking about. You know, am I being productive, creative? You know, what am I bringing uh, 
a sacrifice of praise, you know, now. But uh, just to make it a little more interesting, uh, I actually have a question here that we had in our discussion group that we have in the, uh, in the outline on Monday nights. Uh, why can't we just give to God without a willing heart, Ryan? I'll ask you this. Why can't we just give to God without a willing heart? Uh, one of my examples are, are actually cross-references uh, in, as far as a willing heart or giving is found in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. I'm going to have Ryan read that uh, in the New Testament. Yeah, it's, it's 6 and 7 I have highlighted here. So 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Why? Wow. And I even have a little note here, I think, for verse 7 that uh, says a joyful giver. Um, and then I've even seen another translation note in another version that said hilarious giver. You know, why can't we just give to God without a willing heart? Because you don't believe in it. There's no faith behind it. If we tell you, hey, we're going to have a community here that we want to be strong, and we want to raise up the next generation, and we're going to show you how we're doing it, but here's the thing. Is there a buy-in? Do you believe in it? Mm. You give to what you believe in, Ryan, and that's the thing at Beta Healing. You know, uh, I think we could be a lot bigger than what we are. I think we could have a lot more, but, but the fact remains people give to what they believe in. Uh, people believe in uh, the Big Mac. You know, they believe in the uh, <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know, that secret recipe. They believe in it. They believe yeah. in Starbucks. They really do. Why? Because they're giving money for a product. Right. You know, they're giving something for something. Nothing's free. Even the blood of Jesus, there was a price that was paid, Ryan. And as I, I just point this out to all of you, uh, it's important that you give to what you believe in. You know, I was just thinking some time ago, probably quite a few years ago, uh, I just had this little quote given to me through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that you all can relate to. You know, when we stop giving, we have forgotten what has been given to us. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's deep. That's a deep thought. So when you quit giving, you yourself have forgotten what has been given to you. You know, and it's just like trying to fill up your tank with your with your affection and everything for the Lord. Once you give it away, Ryan, it's hard to get it back. It's, it's hard to muster it up. Pull out a sack of affection, you know. Yeah. Pull out a bottle of affection. No. Once you've poured it out, once you've given it, you know, uh, there's 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 no redos. You got to wait for the next day or whatever to start off on, on the right foot. But uh, God doesn't want anything with with an unwilling. That's heart. right. You know, you know just, what's the point? Jesus says, "Those who uh, have been forgiven much love much," and it's out of a a desire to give back and to love the Lord for what He's already done for you that we give to Him. And I think that's where that cheerful or joyful piece comes in, is that look at how much He's already done for me. I'll never be able to pay Him back. And once I settle in my mind and wrap my head around the fact that I'm nothing I'm going to give Him, does He need, or am I able to uh, to repay Him in any way, shape, or form? So there really is no need, right? There's no necessity to give it. There's no requirement to give it. That God is giving me an opportunity to participate and then I realize that now we're working together, and God's giving me the opportunity to work together with Him, and that's way cooler than some, I have to pay the bill of the tithe or of the offering or whatever. Absolutely, right. And you know, our goal is to pay off our building. You know, I believe it's over $700,000 that we owe on this building. But here's the thing, though, Ryan. If you want to have a strong community and raise up the next generation, it's going to cost. Oh, yeah. You have to have a place to do this. Oh, yeah. It can't be a free-for-all. You can't meet once a month. 
I mean, you literally have to have, uh, a, you know, a community with buildings. You know, it's my understanding among the Jewish people, they have a building for studying and they have a building for worship. Huh. They have two separate buildings, one for studying, one for worshiping. You know, and you can go back and study that out for yourself. So, so actually, the, the Lord wanted the people to make a sanctuary for him to dwell in. Yeah, you it's know, interesting. We have be among them. We have know? all this equipment in here that half of it I don't even know what it does for the podcast, you know, the microphones and soundboards and all kinds of electronics and stuff like that. I mean, all that stuff costs money. You know, and it, so like I said, to make a long story short, you know, we give to what we believe in, you know. That's right. And uh and, and so with that, you know, uh he wanted a sanctuary that he may dwell among his people. Uh you know, and and you know, people want to say, well, you know, the tabernacle was done away with the temple has been done away. Yeah, but we still have synagogues and churches, you know. Uh, and I love this. In Exodus 25, 9, it says, According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. Remember, the Bible is about patterns and principles. You know, we're going to see where uh, this tabernacle, you know, or the temple, whichever one you want to relate to, uh, the future temple, is in heaven. I mean, think about it. That's right. So this word pattern is the Hebrew word tabnith, and it means structure, model, resemblance, a figure, a form, likeness, and similitude. I mean, think about it. I mean, there it is. It's right there. There's the pattern that we can see. He says, don't just make this haphazardly. Don't just go halfway with it. Don't just make something up, or I'll give you some of the instructions, and then you can finish it out for yourself. He literally gave them a, a, a pattern. That's right, you know. and you know the word that comes to mind for this uh, tabneth, it, it, the word that we're using is pattern, but it's almost like model, right? It's the model of what is in heaven. So we're making a version on earth that's, that mirrors exactly Isn't that the, what's in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's right. So here we go. We're going to go right out of the gate here. Uh, why? Because we got a horse in the race. Ooh. And um, the very first piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, notice that he starts from the inside out in this tabernacle, in the the furnishings. Six pieces of furniture. Uh, Six is the number for man. So here is six. You know, we think about six, six, six. This is the number for man. Three sixes is the number for man, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is uh, it is the number for man in six days. Uh, God created on the seventh day, he rested. So the Ark of the Covenant was the very first piece of furniture that is made. Once again, he starts from the inside out. And uh, and I love what, what the Lord even says. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I was just thinking about this. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him that defiles him. You know, think about that. So the Ark was made of sheatim wood, overlaid with pure gold and had stays put into the rings so it could be carried. Imagine that. Of course, the testimony was put into the ark, and the mercy seat was to sit upon the ark. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I mean, you know, you just got to go home and watch Indiana Jones. You'll just get excited about it. (laughs) In uh, Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, I'm going to have Ryan read that uh, in regard to the mercy seat and the cherubim. So Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, in reference to the ark of the covenant. All right, here it says, And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Wow, this thing's the real deal. You know, I want you to get this picture because uh, this is the holy of holies right here, the most holy place, the holy of holies, and 
it's it, you know you just think about it. This is the only piece of furniture that's going to be found uh, behind the curtain. Here is the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, just a little reminder as well that uh, pictured as like a throne with the with the cherubim's wings being the backrest. But uh, the Ark of the Covenant can be found in Revelation chapter eleven, verse nineteen. I'm going to read it uh, once again. We can find the Ark of the Covenant in Revelation eleven nineteen. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. There was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Wow. The temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And who saw this? The beloved disciple John. He saw this. That's right. In 1119. 15.5. Here's another reference. I'm going to read it to you. Right out of the book of Revelation, John is, is seeing... Uh, up in heaven here. It says right here, And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. Wow. And it goes on to talk about seven angels came out of the temple, I mean, and so on and so on. So once again, uh, as it is in heaven, it shall be on earth, and on earth it shall be in heaven. I mean, this is what God wants. And so we can find the Ark of the Covenant in the book of Revelation. Uh, moving on here, because we have, of course, the second piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build was the table of showbread. Wow, think about it. Now we're going into this table of showbread, which is, of course, dealing with identity. You know, the 12 loaves are on this table. Oh, yeah. They're changed out every Shabbat. So think about this, everyone. You've got the throne room, the throne of the Ark of the Covenant, contained within that. We know we have the rod of Aaron in there, the manna. We're not going to go into a rabbit trail, but just a few little tidbits here. And of course, the uh, the testimony in there, the, the the Ten Commandments, the Torah, and of course that was contained, you know, below the mercy seat. Wow! So God is awesome. He sits on the mercy seat because otherwise we wouldn't have a chance. Uh, table of showbread was made of sheatim wood, overlaid with pure gold, had two borders, and had staves to carry it. Okay, uh, the dishes, spoons, covers, and bowls were all overlaid with gold. And it says right here uh, in Exodus twenty five thirty. And thou shalt set upon the table of showbread before me all the way. So here's unleavened bread, 12 loaves, represent 12 tribes, changed out every Shabbat. Once again, what do we also find in here? It had two borders. Two borders. You know, like Trump wants to build that wall. Imagine a wall behind the wall. So when you think about the table of showbread... A double it, wall? A double wall, That's you know? Double So, so let's say you get over the first wall. Well, there's another wall. Uh-oh. You talk about protection on it. Like I say, it's my little thought process is that he doesn't want anyone to fall off the table. So maybe a little too close to the edge, but oh, there's another border. So you'll find this fascinating even as you pull up pictures or images on the internet in regards to the table of showbread. Once again, this is the table about identity. Remember, come to the table. Mm -hmm. Come to the table. Come to the table. The Last Supper was at a table. The Marriage Supper of the Lamb will be at a table. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. In In the book... Uh, of Ezekiel, we see this Ezekiel temple in there. And Ryan, there's there's two pieces of furniture. The altar, a burnt offering, the brazen altar, and there's a table. I mean, think about that. So the menorah, which gives the light, is not there. No, because he is the light. So there's something going on here in the future for, for Ezekiel's temple that's never been built, by the way. I just, food for thought, you know, this is how I got my in-laws to move back to, to Florida. I said there's two d- different types of decor found in this particular temple. Cherubims and, of course, palm trees. Oh, yeah. Okay. You do not find palm trees in Iowa. Yeah, okay? no, So all don't. I'm saying is that, hey, listen, you know... Uh, 
palm trees. You know what else is cool palm about palm trees? Palm trees and cherubims are the decor. The way the root systems work on palm trees, they withstand heavy storms. I'm telling this is amazing, Ryan, when you stop and think about this. Just food for thought, thinking about the future and what God has. So once again, the table of showbread is about identity, and, and that's prophetically where we're at. We'll get into that later. But prophetically, this is where we're at. People are finding out they're grafted in. Uh, they're non-Jews. They're coming out of the countries. Uh, and of course, you know, the root of the olive tree is Yeshua. So once again, we have the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread. So what do you think the third piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build is, Ryan? The menorah, <coughs> the uh, the candlesticks. The candlesticks. The menorah was made from a talent of gold and in one piece. Wow. Which, which they have been trying to figure out how to do it in, in pure gold, and they wow. can't do it. It's amazing. Yep. It's amazing. Uh, and in one piece. Uh, the, mo- the Of course, the menorah had seven lamps. Uh, the tongs and snuff dishes were made of pure gold. Uh, the menorah can be found, of course, uh, also in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and in Revelation chapter 1, verses 13. And chapter four and verse five, we're gonna we want to get into that a little bit here, just to get you excited, uh, because the menorah is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the personal pronoun here, his, is used in describing the menorah, and we know that that is the only way you can have light in the inner court. Uh, you know, the inner court, then the holy of holies, uh, was through the menorah, which of course was service day and night. We're gonna talk about that in the next Torah portion, but little little food for thought here. Once again, we we discovered that we do have. The Ark of the Covenant in the book of Revelation, it's found in heaven. John uh, reveals this to us in his writing of the book of Revelation, which is, of course, Yeshua revealed. And now we're going to show you the menorah, of course, in the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And just a little food for thought here, uh, the book of Daniel is the skeleton of prophecy. So if you want to write this down or think about it, go back to it. The book of Daniel is the skeleton of prophecy, and then all the prophets are the meat that goes on the bones. And then, of course, Zechariah is the bridge to the book of Revelation. Once again, the book of Zechariah is the bridge to take you to the book of Revelation. So Ryan's going to read Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and this is what is spoken of in this particular book in regards to the menorahs. That's right, so Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And the angel that talked with me came again and and waked me, as a man is wakened out of his sleep, and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and the seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might. Nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof, with shoutings crying, Grace, grace unto it. Wow. Here we have the lampstand and the olive trees. You know, in, in, in Zechariah 4, 6, in regards to, uh, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Uh, this is in my uh, Hebrew Greek study Bible. Uh, this famous verse describes the source of Zerubbabel's sufficiency. It is God's spirit that will sustain him, even though he is the governor of a seemingly insignificant province of the vast 
Persian Empire. Zerubbabel is also assured that he will complete the temple he had begun to build. Wow, that just triggers something, Ryan. You know, if God has put in us restoration regathering, Ryan, we will complete it. We will do it by his spirit. Yes. He, he will bring it to fruition, you know, and that is the beauty of what God is doing. You know, we've had the, uh, uh, the opportunity to, to have a, a couple come visit us uh, yesterday that are actually going to be going into the harvest for Hayovel over to the land of Israel that live in Seattle. I do believe their names are David and Joe, a uh, nice couple, and uh, very interesting how uh, how God moves. You know, uh, these people live in Seattle. They you know they're in Brandon, Florida. They're visiting, and and of course they're going to be going and doing the harvest at Hayovel. That's pretty uh, cool. Well, it's just, it's by His Spirit. It's that's by right. His Ruach Hakodesh. You know, well, and that's the and menorah. That's the, thing. the menorah represents the Spirit of God, and the olive tree represents Israel. Right, and and the sevenfold Spirit of God. Which you you know, it's funny. We were talking last night. And I went back and did the research and found it. Um, but the sevenfold Spirit of God, which is represented by the seven branch candlestick. Um, can be found in Isaiah chapter 11 and in verse 2, but I'll, I'll give you uh, verses 1 and 2 because it, it, it gives you the context, and it says uh, here, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And what's that reference again in Isaiah? That's Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And The seven spirits of God. The seven spirits wow. of God. Wow. Which is powerful. cool, because, right, it's the spirit of the Lord, right? So this is the spirit of the Lord of Yahweh is that sinner. It's the shamish, the, the servant. Um, it's, it's Jesus, it's Yeshua himself. And then, it, and then you have wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And that's your, your six, three on either side. Oh, this is going to tie in. Check this out. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, is the menorah in the book of Revelation? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Wow, the seven candlesticks represent what? The seven churches. And what was one of the rebukes he was given to the, to the church? And I'm not going to get into all of it and, and point out the church right now, but he says, listen, if you don't change your ways, I'm going to pull out your candlestick. So you're not even doing it by his spirit anymore. What are you doing it by? The flesh? Right. Your own ideology? So that's in Revelation um, 113, once again, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. So Ryan gave us a reference of Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Once again, how's your perspective? Why are you looking down? The Bible says, look up. Your, your redemption draweth nigh. You know, um, you know that's why I, I try to wear shoes without shoelaces, because I don't want to see if they're tied or not. I know I just slip them on. I, I ain't looking down. I'm looking up. So, <laughs> so check, out, check out Revelation chapter uh, 4, verse 5. Here we go. Revelation 4, verse 5 is going to go with Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. Are you guys ready for this? This is the paradigm. This is the view that John had. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Wow. So here's the throne. You've got lightnings and thunderings and voices. It sounds like Mount Sinai, giving of the... Of the of the Torah. Look at this. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, 
which are the seven spirits of God. And even in the holy place, because you've you got the holy of holies and the, the inner court there, uh, you know, you've got the altar of incense, but just, just on the other side of that curtain is the menorah. Uh, in Moses' tabernacle that was built. So that is awesome. We're going to move on because there's some great stuff in here. But anybody who says that the Bible is boring, really, you're boring. Yeah. Because this is incredible. Uh, this is going down right now. So I'm going to have Ryan read in regard to the curtains of this beautiful tabernacle. Uh, Exodus chapter 26, verses 1 through 6. You see, this, is, uh, this section is in here for the interior decorators. Because um, I know that there's people out there that just love... Oh, yeah. HGTV. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This Home is... Home and Garden. Yeah. This is like uh, fixer-upper, but like not, because you don't need oh, to... Oh, yeah. Builder-upper. Builder-upper. There you go. All right. So uh, chapter 26, verses 1 through 6. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen, and blue and purple and scarlet, with cherubims of cunning work, shalt thou make them. The length of one curtain shall be eight and twenty cubits, and the breadth of one curtain four cubits, and every one of the curtains shall have one measure. The five curtains shall be coupled together one to another, and other five curtains shall be coupled one to another. And thou shalt make loops of blue upon the edge of the curtain from the selvage to the coupling, and likewise shalt thou make in the uttermost edge of another curtain in the coupling of the second. Fifty loops shalt thou make in the one curtain, and fifty loops shalt thou make on the edge of the curtain that is in the coupling of the second, that the loops may take hold one of another. And thou shalt make fifty tashes of gold, and couple the curtains together with tashes and it shall be one tabernacle. And so I guess t- that word tashes is like clasps. Clasps. So, so once again, you know, we have at least uh, 10 curtains made for the tabernacle in Exodus 26 1. Uh, of course, made of fine twine linen, uh, blue, purple, and scarlet, with cherubims of cunning work or embroidery. The cherubims were embroidered on the curtains. Right. Embroidery. Wow. Uh, 50 loops for each curtain. Okay, and of course we're going to move on in Exodus chapter twenty-six, verse seven, in the fact of uh, we're going to have uh, curtains of goat's hair uh, were used for the covering of the tabernacle, and there were eleven of those of goat's hair. Uh, next question in Exodus twenty-six fourteen in our small groups was Ryan, what two other animal skins were used as a covering for the tabernacle? We already talked about the one. So it's ram skins dyed red and badger skins, and again that's where. We had a little you know, interesting question about it. And I know that some people might not like this, but, you know, this is what the Patriots did to the Rams. You know, it's Ram skins dyed red. They just skinned the Rams, <laughs> and it was all over, folks. Uh, once again, Tom Brady has done it again, folks. Yeah. And, and you know, when you think about it, you know, uh, there's this animal magnetism that we have, which is like we're, we're, we, we have a... Uh, an inclination, or, or we like animals, we have an interest in that, you know, and it's called uh, animal magnetism. But when you name teams after animals, well, there's this things. big thing about people having a spirit animal. Like, that's my spirit animal. What's your spirit animal? I actually walked into a, a customer's place wow. the other day, that's and they asked me, "Hey, what's your spirit animal?" And I'm like, "Homo sapien." Yeah, I was like, "I don't." I think... I'm Homo sapien all the way through. Otherwise, I'm a hybrid. I said, "I think I'm my own spirit animal." Do you think? <laughs> 
Who wants to be a Minotaur? I mean, you know, you think about these things, though. These hybrids and stuff, and where did we get off on this? But I'm sure those of you that are listening are thinking, wow, they're really interesting now. Oh, uh, a lot of stuff to think about. We want to stay t- stick with the text. So ram skins dyed red and badger skins. Uh, once again, uh, sheatim wood was used for the tabernacle. Uh, there was 48 boards that were used. And, of course, the boards were overlaid with gold. Now, sheatim so, wood is also known as acacia wood. That's true, acacia wood. Which is, what, a family of trees, like like a type it's, of tree? It's hardwood. Yeah, and uh, didn't weren't you saying last night, wasn't, isn't our stage made out of... Yeah, I was asking the gentleman that was putting the, uh, the stage together, because we wanted it to be, you know, wood, you know, a, a type of wood surface, because they're going to dance on it and all of that. Sure. And... Uh, I asked him what kind of wood it was. It's like a dark wood, but he said, this is from the acacia family from South America. I said, really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wow. And so I started sharing with him about the uh, uh, tabernacle and and all of that. And then, of course, you know, he he just walked away. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay, because I was excited. He's like, oh, he couldn't relate. thanks for telling me But I could relate. Uh, Once again, you know, remember the types of metals that we're talking about, just in quick reference here. Colors have meaning. Numbers have meaning. Uh, so do metals. Gold is deity. It's the Godhead. Oh, yeah. Uh, silver's redemption. And, of course, brass or copper would be judgment. So keep that in mind as you're in the Holy of Holies. It's pure gold. And there's even gold in the inner court. Uh, the outer court has, of course, this altar and labor, and you're exposed to the elements. We're going to talk about this later on as we move on. But uh, once again, we were to make this tabernacle years ago. Moses was to make the tabernacle according to the pattern but uh, I'm going to have Ryan read Exodus 2630. Uh, another word is going to be used here uh, in regards to, you know, uh, pattern or, or fashion. Yeah. I'll just read it. It says, And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof, which was showed thee in the mount. Exodus 2630. So once again, we have the fashion thereof, which was showed thee in the mount. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Ryan, and I, and I have to share this because... If God took the kingdom apart, I mean, we can go back and see where he did this. Don't you think he would put it back together the same way he took it apart? If you have all of the ingredients. As like Legos. It's like a recipe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like Legos. You know, uh, I was looking for my Irish butter, and the butter was gone. Oh, yeah. Wait, what is it, says, that gold I one? I use that to make the carrot cake. It's the gold one, right? It's green. Uh, yeah, green and gold, right? No? Yes, green and gold. Green and gold. I oh. use the same butter. It That's is, good butter. It, it, it is. But what I'm saying is that <laughs> if you don't have all the ingredients, you're not putting nothing back together. That's right. You know, and that's why even if we have people that want to be reunited or they think they're part of Israel, you got to look at all the other ingredients, Ryan, to pull this thing off. If you're going to make an Israeli cake, okay, you got to have all the ingredients. And if you think, well, you know what? I don't believe in those ingredients. Ooh. You won't be in the recipe, right? Yeah, or your bread's you going to be You won't be in the recipe. Yeah, your bread you know what they call flat. that? Half-baked, baby. You're half-baked. You know what I was wondering? And this is going kind of back into the, the gold and silver and brass. Why is it that things that are covered or made out of brass <clears throat> are called brazen? You know, because like... That's Bra- so brazen. brazen forehead. That's so brazen of you. The brazen forehead. But like brazen also means like, uh, you know, presumptuous or... Um, bold, right? Right. You know, so I just wonder what's what's the it's correlation right there with man. stiff neck. <laughs> That's what I am sometimes a stiff neck, you know. And so here we have the, uh, you know, make this tabernacle according to the fashion thereof, which was showed thee in the mount. Now we're moving towards, of course, the veil, uh, and that's going to be an awesome. Uh, uh, 
item here. It's made of blue, purple, scarlet, and fine twine linen of cunning work with cherubims. Remember, there's embroidered angels in these curtains. You know, when you, when you see that angels are in heaven and around the throne, it makes sense that you would put them on the curtain in front of the ark. But how did they know what cherubims look like? Oh, they were given the blueprints, Ryan. They were given the pattern. So within the veil, the ark of the testimony shall divide between the holy place and the most holy. Exodus 26, 33, the, the veil was heavy. It was big. Remember in the scriptures, it talks about the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. That's right. I mean, this is a major curtain, you know. Uh, my, my wife went to a school to learn how to do window treatments, and it was amazing how they did the window treatments, you know, how she could make different kinds of window treatments and the rods and the fabric. And it makes me think of this beautiful tabernacle here. Uh, but within the veil, the Ark of the Testament shall divide between the holy place and the most holy. Uh, and then in Exodus chapter 26, verse 35, I'm going to have Ryan read that. Uh, this is about the placement of the furniture. Where are you going to put this furniture? Oh, this is the exciting part. Is it just, you don't just put it anywhere. No, no, and, and, and it's in a specific order for a reason. It says, And thou shalt set the table without the veil, and the candlestick over against the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south. And thou shalt put the table on the north side. So there you have it. There you have it. I call it the triangle. Altar of incense, then the menorah, then, of course, the table of showbread. Now, since you guys may be like riding in your car or something like that, you guys don't have the benefit here, but I'm actually looking at this beautiful uh, depiction of what it looks like inside the tabernacle right now, and I'm actually showing Pastor Nick. That is nice. Oh, it is very beautiful. And uh, it's like, you know, it has a little cutaway so that you can kind of see inside of what it would look like. Um, but what direction is the opening to the court, Pastor? It's to the east. It's to the east. And so then... The, the actual tabernacle itself, the tent of meeting, the entrance is facing the east. And so then... Only one way in, only one, one way, way in. out. And so if it's on the east, then you have on the south side the, the candlestick, and on the north side the table. And then to the west is going to be the... The table's on the north side. Right, table's on the north side. Right. And then the, to the west is the, um, the altar of incense and the ark and the, and the veil. So there you have the placement of the furniture, which is to the exact uh, point. And of course, there were five pillars before the holy place. Right. Five pillars before the holy place. Yeah, this is this. So is what's cool. the holy place? What's what's in the holy place, Ryan? What, what three pieces well, of furniture in the holy place? Well, so inside the holy place is the the candlestick or the menorah, right? The table of showbread, right? And the altar of incense. Now we haven't right. gone to the altar of incense. No, we haven't gotten to that no. yet. So that's that's actually considered the holy place. So that would be the inner court. Just so you understand, there's right. there's the outer court, which is where the brazen altar is, and the laver, altar of burnt offering, and then the laver. That's yep. the outer court. Inner court is menorah. Table of showbread, altar of incense. The Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. That's right. Awesome. All right, let's move on here. So we've discussed the three pieces of furniture this far. Uh, Ark of the Covenant. We looked at the, of course, table of showbread. Now the menorah. Now we're going to jump right into the fourth piece of furniture is going to be the altar of burnt offering. Okay, and, and uh, we would call that the brazen altar. It's made of sheatim wood and overlaid with brass. Once again, we're changing metals now. Brass. The four corners had horns overlaid with brass. Pans, shovels, basins, flesh hooks, fire pans, and all the vessels was made of brass. The grate was made of brass for this brazen altar. The grate. 
Uh, and then, of course, the two staves made of shiatim wood and overlaid with brass were put into two rings on each side of the altar. And just a re little reminder here, everything's measured in cubits. Cubits would be from the end of your uh, middle finger down to your elbow is considered a cubit. We want to get into all that, but you can actually see these dimensions as well. Uh, and of course, we have uh, this particular altar being made for us. Whoever grabs the horns of the altar would be considered holy. Uh, there's some examples in the Bible where people grabbed onto the horns of the altar and they were spared. But there were times when they grabbed the horns of the altar, but they were guilty. Yeah. They were taken and, of course, they were put to death. Uh, and, of course, once again, we can see where we have this fourth piece of furniture in this particular Torah portion. We still have two pieces to remain. But, you know, I would say this as a famous question as we move forward in our lives. Where is your sacrifice? Mm. You know, and I think that's a big dilemma at this point in time for the Jewish people. Uh, they are wanting to get a temple up and, and start some sacrifices. And that's not all of them, by the way. It's just a group of them. Uh, a sect of them, but what I want to submit to you is that it's a great question, you know, where is your sacrifice? So I'd like to just share that we believe that Yeshua HaMashiach is our burnt offering. He is our sacrifice. And That's we're going to be right. getting into this in the book of Leviticus, even in our small groups. We're going to be breaking this down, how relevant it truly, truly, truly is. Because remember, everybody, when you are in the occult, and it means that word means hidden, uh, they have no atonement planned, right? You don't need atonement. Right. Well, that's you what don't they need say. a sacrifice. They say you know? that, yeah. So, so all I'm saying is that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. We want to make that perfectly clear at Beit Tehillah. We believe that Yeshua spilt his blood. He bled from his hands, his feet, his side, the crown of thorns on his head, cat of nine tails on his back. His, his blood was shed. And of course, once again, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So we would just say, hey, at this point of the, of the podcast, thank him for being your sacrifice. And Amen. what do we now bring him but a sacrifice of praise? That's we right. brag on him. We, we lift him up, you know, and, and that's, it, it's interesting, you know. Uh, here we have this, this altar. This, it's the first piece of furniture you come to when you come through the, the east entrance of the tabernacle. That's right. And let me say that just one other way, um, you know, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. But guess what? There is no amount of good works, mitzvot, or anything that you can do to be good enough to where you have lived your entire life free of sin forever, whether in thought or in deed uh, or by accident. None of us, all of us have fallen short um, to meeting the mark, to hitting the mark, and all of us have fallen short to the glory of God. And so it is only through the shedding of blood that there is remission of sins, and it is through the blood of Yeshua. And, and it's just important to say that and be very clear that we do not preach any other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And, you know, another thing to think of, you know, once again, um, it's, it's the fact of what's coming. You know, the big debate about this third temple, and, and the Jews are going to be sacrificing, you know. Uh, you know, if you really want to mess people up, you know, just show them that when Jesus comes back, there'll be sacrifices, but it will be for a memorial, you know. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, God invented the first barbecue. He really did. And the only offering that you get to eat from uh, is the peace offering. We're going to talk about that later, but but this is an incredible pattern. And so I would say that, you know, in, in closing here, we have uh, this last question in our in our outline. How many pillars were used in the tabernacle? Sixty-nine. 69 pillars were used in the tabernacle. And so we have, of course, um, 
What two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion to Ruma uh, or portion from a consensus of the group? I would just like to give you my personal two, and then I'm going to have Ryan share what his group came up with or what he sees. Two lessons that can be learned from this Torah portion, I believe is number one, uh, the pattern has been given to us. There are patterns in the Bible that we need to learn and follow. The patterns are in the Bible. So what I'm saying to you is that these patterns were given to us from heaven because this pattern is in heaven. So think about this, everyone. When you start talking about this tabernacle of Moses or the temple, this thing's in heaven, okay? And it could stir people up. And people will say, you know, hey, I'm interested. Or they're going to be like, oh, man, no, that's the Old Testament. That, that doesn't, that's not relevant. Point number two is this. You got the pattern? Point number two is it is relevant. It is relevant. You are part of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is part of you. Yeshua is the tabernacle. The tabernacle is Yeshua. It's the kingdom of God, you know, and, and I'd love to get into it later, which is what we will do probably when we get to the uh, altar of incense. I'm going to save that. But but any last thoughts, Ryan? This, this is really incredible, everyone. I mean, you know, the paradigm shift of John, he was taken up to heaven to see these things, okay? And so once again, uh, just consider it. So uh, the two things that our group came up with last night, and, and if you come on Monday nights, man, I'll tell you, a lot of people come up with some great things. Like we have our discussion in our group, and then somebody will get up there and they'll say something. And I'll be like, man, that's so true. I didn't even think about that. You know, it just kind of brings out a whole other thing. And that's what's cool about the iron sharpens iron concept and coming together in these small groups and, and, and hearing what other people have to say. I really am enjoying it, Pastor. Um, so the first thing we came up with, uh, which actually came... Um, from Laisha, one of our youth, and I thought this was very astute of her. She says, you have to listen to God's specific commands in order to be obedient to Him. And so there's so much in the church taught where we talk about obedience, obedience, oh, be obedient, be obedient. Well, be obedient to what? To God's commands. What commands? To His specific commands. And so there's so many opportunities in the Torah for us to, I mean, just low-hanging fruit to just follow God's commands, just do what He says. And uh, an easy way to say, hey, you know what, God? I love you. Little choices that we get to make for him. And so that, that's cool. Listen to God's specific commands. You have to listen to God's specific commands in order to be obedient to him. Now, the second thing uh, came from Miss Ruth, one of our elders. Um, and uh, she's the, the, the leader over our prayer ministry. And she said that, that God is a God of detail, order, and beauty. And we are created in his image and so we should act accordingly, right? So God cares about those little things. He, he's giving us all this. He's laying it all out for us so that we'll do specifically and exactly what he's asked us to do. So we should act accordingly because we are created in his image. And so I've got one more thing. And this to me was happened right at the end. Miss Deb Taylor told me this. I guess she was reading a commentary or, or maybe she came up with this all by herself. But she said that there's only 27 verses about the whole creation story when God created the whole universe. But there's over 250 verses about the tabernacle. And so if that tells you what God cares about, right? I mean, that's the, this is important stuff yep. for us to learn about and to know about. And so much time is spent for us trying to figure out old earth, new earth, this or that. But guess what? The, what we need to focus on is the tabernacle. What is God's pattern here on earth that is matching and mirroring up in heaven? What is it that we can do here today? What is the pattern for salvation? I mean, just look at the tabernacle from a salvation standpoint. We walk in, what's the first thing we need? A sacrifice. You can't get any further without a sacrifice. So what is that? That's Yeshua. Then we come in and we get washed in the water of the Word at the laver. From there, because we're in the Word now, we're able to come into the holy place, right? Where we come to the menorah. 
the Holy Spirit. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. From there, we can go with our brethren that are also filled with the Holy Spirit to the table. We know what to pray about. And so from there, because we've come together in fellowship, we go to the altar of incense. And what is those incense? But the prayers of the saints. And when you're at the prayer, uh, when you're when you're praying there at the altar of incense, you're right before the presence of God. He's right there looking over the altar of incense as we pray. And so, and this is the only thing we have left to do is to pray, Ryan. We've done all that we can do as 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 righteous people on the earth. Amen. And and prayer is our our last hurrah. This is it. This is it. Prayer. Pray His perfect will. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That's right. So, wow, man. You know, I'll tell you what. We could go obviously into a lot of detail about each specific piece and all that stuff. And so obviously we don't have time to do all of that uh, today, but study the tabernacle and the pattern of the tabernacle. I mean, it's just so cool. There's so much imagery. I've given you guys a little bit of a taste of, of just some of it. Um, but it's it's so rich and so full of, of detail and, and cool things where God's just showing off. So I encourage you guys, like I said, come through this, read it for yourself, study it, learn it, all that. If you want some resources, we've actually got some cool stuff that we sell here at the church, some pamphlets that that um, are laminated and uh, real nice full color that you guys can get. You can call the office or, or email us and we'll get them to you uh, as well. And so uh, if you want to reach out uh, and email me, just like Rosie did this past week, thank you again, Rosie, for your email. Uh, my email address is ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. Uh, you guys can also call the office and speak to uh, somebody in the office here at 813-654-2222. And uh, last but not least, you guys know that we live stream our services uh, starting at 1 o'clock every Shabbat uh, on all of our social media platforms and on our website at topraise.net. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week. <laughs>